Chapter Twenty Eight of Miss Marjoribanks. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Miss Marjoribanks by Mrs. Oliphant. Chapter Twenty Eight. Miss Marjoribanks, except for her habitual walk, did not go out much that day. She was too much occupied with what she had in hand she could not conceive for lucilla naturally took a reasonable view of affairs in general and did not account for the action of any such unknown quantity as love for example why mr cavendish should conceal himself so carefully from society in carlingford and yet run all the risk of meeting barbara lake in the evenings it seemed to lucilla inconceivable and yet it was impossible not to believe it mr cavendish though she had seen him on the very verge of a proposal did not present himself to her mind in the aspect of a man who would consider the world well lost for any such transitory passion neither as was natural did barbara lake appear to lucilla the least like a person calculated to call forth that sentiment but nevertheless it must be true and the only way to account for it was by thinking after all what fools they were and what poor judges and how little to be depended on when women were concerned miss marjoribanks was determined to lose no more time but to speak to mr cavendish if it was mr cavendish and she could get the chance quite plainly of the situation of affairs to let him know how much she knew and to spur him up to come forward like a man and brave anything the archdeacon could do had it been any small personal aim that moved lucilla no doubt she would have shrunk from such a decided step but it was on the contrary the broadest philanthropical combination of christian principles help to the weak and succour to the oppressed and a little just a very little of the equally evangelical idea of humbling the proud and bringing down the mighty she was so much occupied with her plans that it was with a little difficulty she roused herself to keep up the conversation with her father at dinner and be as amusing and agreeable as ordinary which indeed was more than ordinarily her duty since dr marjoribanks came in in a fractious and disturbed state of mind discontented with things in general the truth was he had got a letter from tom marjoribanks from india where that unlucky young man had gone it was all very well and natural and proper to go to india and lucilla had felt indeed rather satisfied with herself for having helped forward that desirable conclusion especially after the doctor had taken pains to explain to her not knowing that she had any share in it that it was the very best thing for tom to do for it has been already said that dr marjoribanks though he liked tom and thought it very odd that providence should have given the girl to him and the boy to his incapable sister-in-law who did not in the least know how to manage him had no desire to have his nephew for a son-in-law going to india was very right and proper and the best thing to do for a man might get on there even at the bar who would have no chance here but after he had made one step in the right direction it was only natural that all sorts of misfortunes should happen to tom he was wrecked as was to be expected and he lost his boxes with the greater part of his outfit either at that unhappy moment or in the desert or at an after part of his unlucky career 
and the object of the letter which dr marjoribanks had just received was to get money to make up for his losses tom who was a very good son did not want to vex his mother and accordingly it was his uncle whom he applied to to sell out a portion of the money he had in the funds she would think i was ruined or that it was my fault or at least that i meant to spend all my money wrote tom and you understand uncle that it is not my fault confound him it is never his fault said dr marjoribanks as if that could possibly be brought against the unfortunate young man as a crime no papa it is his luck said lucilla poor tom but i should not like to take a passage in the same boat with him if i was the other people though i am sure he is not a bit to blame i hope he does not mean to go on like this said the doctor he will soon make ducks and drakes of his five thousand pounds a young fellow like that ought to mind what he's doing it is a great deal easier to throw money away than it is to lay it by papa it is his luck said miss marchbanks it is all put into a system in political economy you know for my part i am always the other way it is very funny before you get used to it but you know there has to be a balance in everything and that is how it must be i don't think it at all funny said dr marjoribanks unless your good luck and his bad were to be joined together which is not an expedient i fancy when he said this the doctor gave a sharp glance at his daughter to see if by any chance that might perhaps be what she was thinking of but naturally the maiden candour and unsuspecting innocence of lucilla was proof to such glances she took no notice at all of the implied suspicion but though it was very absurd for anybody to think that she would have married him it was not in miss marjoribanks nature to be disloyal to tom i think he is quite right about his mother papa said lucilla she would never understand it you know she would think the world was coming to an end i would not for anything take a passage in the same boat with him but he is nice in his way poor fellow i wonder what he has ever done to have such dreadful luck but i hope you are going to do what he asks you and with this calm expression of her interest miss marjoribanks went upstairs when the doctor became thus aware of his daughter's sentiments it seemed to him that he was more at liberty to be kind to his nephew he had never been able to divest himself of a little lurking dread an inherent idea which was so obstinate that it felt like a prophecy that somehow or other after costing her father so much and making such a difference in the house lucilla who on the whole was a dear production would fall to tom's share with all dr marjoribanks other possessions and the doctor saw no reason why he should work and lay up money for a boy whom providence with a wonderful want of discrimination had bestowed not upon him but upon mrs john marjoribanks however when that question was settled and done with his heart began to relent to tom the unlucky who after all when the son-in-law hypothesis was fully dismissed was his natural-born nephew and as lucilla said very nice in his way poor fellow the doctor began to write him a letter and softened more and more with every line he wrote but as for lucilla she had something more immediately important to occupy her upstairs the fact was that miss marjoribanks had found a shadowy figure in black in the corner of one of the sofas when she came into the drawing-room a figure with a veil down and a large shawl and a tremulous air it was very seldom that mrs mortimer took courage to visit her young patroness 
and to go out at night except sometimes to salem chapel when there was a meeting and when the timid woman represented to herself that it was her duty was a thing unknown to her but yet nevertheless it was mrs mortimer who sat waiting for lucilla they had not met since that momentous interview in which the widow revealed her history to miss marjoribanks's sympathetic ears and the poor woman had been able to bear no longer the solitude of her cottage and her garden walls and her little pupils and mary jane to know that something was going on outside that concerned her to hear the waves as it were beating round the walls of her prison and never to have even so much as a peep at them what they were about if the tide was beginning to turn or the wind to change or the lifeboat to appear was more than mrs mortimer even with all her training to patience could put up with and accordingly she had made a frantic rush out under cover of night to see if there was anything to see and hear if there was anything to hear you don't know how dreadful it is to keep staring at the walls all day and never see any change said the widow it is very stupid and silly but you know i cannot help it i get to fancy always that something wonderful must be going on on the other side that is because you don't go out enough said lucilla you know how often i have said you should go out once every day and then you would see that everything outside was very much the same as everything within oh lucilla don't say so said mrs mortimer and besides he has been again and i could see you had been saying something to him he spoke as if i understood it all when i did not understand a word of it and he spoke of him you know and was quite solemn and warned me to think well of it and not do anything rash as if i had anything to think about or was going to do anything tell me what you said to him lucilla for i am sure by the way he spoke he must have taken him for himself and perhaps you for me who did he take for himself i wonder said lucilla as for you and me dear mrs mortimer we are so different that he could never take us for each other whatever the circumstances might be ah yes lucilla we are different said the poor widow you have all your own people to take care of you and you are not afraid of anybody but as for me i have not a creature in the world who cares what becomes of me and as she made this forlorn statement it was only natural that the poor woman should cry a little this was no doubt the result of the four garden walls that closed in so tightly and the aggravating little pupils but miss marjoribanks felt it was not a state of feeling that could be allowed to go on you ought not to speak like that i am sure there are a great many people who are interested in you and you have always me said lucilla with a certain reproachful tenderness as for mrs mortimer she raised her head and dried her eyes when miss marjoribanks began to speak and looked at her in a somewhat eager inquiring way but when lucilla uttered those last reassuring words it is undeniable that the widow's countenance fell a little she faltered and grew pale again and only cried the more perhaps with gratitude perhaps with disappointment and when she said i am sure you are very kind lucilla which was all the poor soul could utter it was in a very tremulous undecided voice the fact that she had always the sympathy and cooperation of such a friend as miss marjoribanks did not seem to have the exhilarating effect upon her that it ought to have had it did not apparently do any more for her than the similar assurance that lucilla was coming to tea did for rose lake 
but then like every other benefactor of the human race miss marjoribanks was aware that the human mind has its moments of unbelief it was a discouraging experience to meet with but she never permitted it seriously to interrupt her exertions for the good of her kind you should not have so poor an opinion of your friends said lucilla who after all was giving only a stone when her suppliant asked for bread you know how much interested we all are in you and for me anything i can do oh lucilla you are very kind nobody could be kinder cried mrs mortimer with compunction it is very nice to have friends i do not know what i should do without you i am sure but then one cannot live upon one's friends and then one knows when they go away said the widow with more feeling than distinctness of expression that they all go away to something of their own and pity you or forget you but you always stay there and have nothing of your own to go away to i am not grumbling but it is hard lucilla and then you who are young and happy and at home i don't think it is possible you can understand my dear said miss marjoribanks it is quite easy to understand and i know exactly what you mean you want me to tell you all about mr beverley and what i said to him and what he has in his mind if he is the something of your own you would like to go away to i think it is a pity i am sure he has a temper and i would not marry him for my part but if you mean me i have nothing to go away to said lucilla with a little scorn i should be ashamed not to be enough for myself when i leave you it is not to enjoy myself but to think about you and to plan for you and all that you want to know is about him said miss marjoribanks piercing through and through the thin armour of her incapable assailant naturally all the widow's defences fell before this ruthless response she cried with a mingled sensation of shame at being found out and penitence for being so ungrateful and a certain desolate distress with her own incapacity and want of power to defend herself it was an acute variety of feminine anguish on the whole the idea that she a mature woman a married woman and widow who ought to have been done with all these vanities should have been found out by a young girl to be thinking about a gentleman struck poor mrs mortimer with as sharp a sense of shame as if her wistful preoccupation had been a crime indeed the chances are if it had been a crime she would not have been nearly so much ashamed of it she hid her face in her hands and blushed down to the very edge of her black dress and up into the glooms of her widow's veil and all the self-defence she was capable of was a faint oh lucilla a mere appeal of weakness without reason a virtual throwing of herself in acknowledged guilt at her judge's feet thomas is coming with the tea said miss marjoribanks come into my room and take off your bonnet what is the good of worrying yourself when you know i have taken it into my own hands spoiling your eyes with crying and making everybody uncomfortable never does the least good and besides one never knows what harm one might do oneself said lucilla seriously i don't think you gone off at all for my part but if you don't take proper care i shall give you some rose-water and you will be all right after you have had a cup of tea oh no it will be best to go home i am such a poor creature now i am not good for anything let me go home lucilla said poor mrs mortimer but lucilla would not let her go home and by the time tea was ready and dr marjoribanks had come upstairs she had so managed to soothe her visitor's nerves and console her spirits that the doctor himself grew complimentary 
he was so civil in fact that lucilla felt slightly startled and on the whole thought it was well that the archdeacon was at hand and affairs in a promising way for it was doubtful whether even miss marjoribanks's magnanimity could have got over any ridiculous exhibition of interest on the part of her father who certainly was old enough to know better even to see him taking mrs mortimer's tea to her and congratulating her upon her improved looks and felicitating himself and the world in general on the fact that carlingford agreed with her was aggravating to his daughter more aggravating though it is strange to say so than even the blank looks of general travers in the morning or his transference of the homage intended for herself to little rose lake that was no more than a blunder and lucilla felt a consolatory conviction that so far as incivility went the general had received a very satisfactory set-off but to see dr marjoribanks exerting himself in such an unheard-of way made her open her eyes if he were still accessible to such influences nobody could answer for anything that might happen and the widow was so grateful for his kindness that at one moment it was all that lucilla could do to keep her lips shut fast and restrain herself from attempting allusion which would have made an end of mrs mortimer it was the first time that lucilla's protege had ventured to come thus familiarly and uninvited to her friend's house and the doctor who knew no special reason for the visit expressed his satisfaction with a warmth which was quite uncalled for and hoped that lucilla might often have the advantage of her company and actually be symptoms of a disposition to see her home if miss marjoribanks had not already made provision for that emergency when the visitor had finally departed under the charge of thomas and mary jane the father and daughter regarded each other for the first time with dubious glances for so far as lucilla was concerned it was a revelation to her of a new and altogether unsuspected danger and the doctor for his part was very conciliatory and showed a certain consciousness of having committed himself which made matters twenty times worse really lucilla your friend is a credit to you said dr marjoribanks it was a stroke of talent to pick her up as you did and make a woman of her and a pretty woman too he added incautiously as if he at his age had anything to do with that i'm so glad you think so papa said lucilla in her dutiful way i don't think myself that she has gone off at all to speak of in some lights she might pass for being no older than i am if she was very well dressed you know and it really does not matter what age a woman is if she keeps her looks i should be very glad to see her nicely married for my part she is one of the people who ought to be married miss marjoribanks continued with an inflection of compassionate tolerance in her voice as for the doctor he mistook her as usual and took her tone of pity and kindly patronizing disdain for another instance of his daughter's policy and high art whereas the truth was she was quite in earnest and meant every word she said and then dr marjoribanks sense of humour was keener than that of lucilla after this the conversation flagged slightly for miss marjoribanks had undeniably received a shock in the midst of her benevolent preoccupation and care for other people it had suddenly dawned upon her that her own stronghold might be attacked and the tables turned upon her in the twinkling of an eye 
there are days of discouragement in the most triumphant career and this was one of those uncomfortable moments her faith in herself did not fail her for an instant but the faith of her natural-born subjects the creatures of her bounty had visibly failed her neither rose lake nor mrs mortimer had shown that confidence in lucilla's genius which experience and loyalty both called upon them to show when dr marjoribanks had gone downstairs to resume the case which he was writing out for the lancet lucilla passed through one of those moments of sublime despondency which now and then tried the spirits of the benefactors of their race a few tears came to her eyes as she reflected upon this great problem without such trials genius would not fully know itself nor be justly aware of its own strength for no temptation to give up her disinterested exertions had any effect upon the mind of miss marjoribanks and even her sense of pain at the unbelief of her followers was mingled with that pity for their weakness which involves pardon even when they wounded her she was sorry for them it was nature that was in fault and not the fallible human creatures who had it not in them to believe in the simple force of genius when lucilla had shed these few tears over her subject's weakness and want of faith she rose up again in new strength from the momentary downfall it was as we have said a sublime moment the idea of giving them up and leaving their affairs to their own guidance never for an instant penetrated into her heroic mind but she was human and naturally she felt the prick of ingratitude when the crisis was over she rose up calmly and lighted her candle and went to her room with a smile upon her magnanimous lips as she performed that simple action lucilla had lifted up the feeble widow and taken the family of lakes and mr cavendish and even the burly archdeacon himself upon her shoulders they might be ungrateful or even unaware of all she was doing for them but they had the supreme claim of need upon strength and miss marjoribanks notwithstanding the wound they had given her was loyal to that appeal and to her own consciousness of superior power at the same time it would not be just to omit all mention of a consolatory recollection which occurred to lucilla in this moment of her weakness at such a crisis the mind of genius may be supported by a matter very trifling in itself even at the instant when the moisture sprang to her eyes miss marjoribanks said to herself poor tom and felt that the bitterness to a certain extent had evaporated out of her tears he was a long way off and lucilla would have thought it madness indeed to connect herself in any way with the fortunes of her unlucky cousin yet it gave her a certain support to think that amid all the want of faith she was encountering tom believed in her heart and soul it was an insignificant matter so far as any practical result was concerned if indeed anything can be called insignificant which gives strength to a great mind in a moment of discouragement she said poor tom and felt as if for the moment she had something to lean on and was comforted we mention this fact rather as a contribution to the history of those phenomena of the human mind which have as yet escaped the metaphysician than as an actual circumstance in the life of miss marjoribanks she was a woman of genius and he only a very simple unlucky fellow and yet a sensation of comfort came to lucilla's heart when she said poor tom End of chapter 28 Recording by Marisol Quee